KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There's a lot going on right now, but it's important to remember that we are still in a pandemic and we're actually in the midst of a bit of a surge of cases here as the new Omicron subvariant BA5 runs wild. So how worried should we be in this moment, especially if someone's already vaxxed, boosted, maybe even double boosted if necessary? We wanted to kind of take stock of our current COVID situation, so we caught up with Dr. Annette Raboli. She is the Dean and Professor of Medicine at Cooper Medical School of Rowan University. She's an epidemiologist and an infectious disease specialist. So I guess first of all, as we're, you know, rough calculations, two years and four months into uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, how would you kind of classify where we are? How would you kind of uh, describe kind of the, the moment we are right now in this pandemic? So uh, one thing I've said previously is I like to think of this in stages. The first stage at the start of the pandemic was the the uh, stage or the era of uncertainty. Uh, folks didn't know what was going on. We had very little information. We didn't have ample PPE in many cases. Uh, we didn't have extensive therapies. We did not have vaccines. Second stage was increasing knowledge of risk factors, development of therapies, and certainly the cardinal piece of that stage, the second stage, stage of hope, was the availability of vaccines. Now, over time, one of the things that we've had happen was um, that we've entered now another stage. And this stage is what I would call the stage of adaptation. And what does that mean? So we have this coronavirus still circulating within our environment. And we've had variants appear and subvariants appear. But this is the stage where we make adaptations so that we can live with it, mitigate some of the bad effects of it. But we're still also in this stage in a learning curve. So more knowledge is coming out about risk factors, more knowledge is coming about uh, about things like long COVID. We still have a way to go. New therapies are being developed. New vaccines are in development. There are over 220 candidate vaccines in development. Now, uh, not all of those will come to fruition. In this age of adaptation, we also have to um, apply some of the principles that we use perhaps when we're going somewhere. If we're going somewhere and we expect rain, we bring an umbrella, right? So if we're going to a place where COVID cases are increased, we'll want to bring our masks, our hand sanitizer. We'll likely want to be sure that we're up to date on our vaccines, including our boosting. So that's what I also consider a, an adaptation. Now, uh, life has not yet returned to 2019 levels, uh, but it's certainly a lot better. You know, people are out and about. Schools are functioning. Children are doing things. People are going to see movies again, restaurants. Uh, so we're seeing uh, a more, more of a normal life. 
Um, we are uh, within another surge here. You know, we talk about uh, these variants and subvariants. Uh, right now, uh, BA5, the CDC released this week that it comprises 82% or so of new cases in the United States. So we're not out of the woods on this, uh, but the outlook is looking better. Real quick, just as an aside, can you kind of clarify or crystallize for listeners difference between a variant and a subvariant? I guess the variant would be Omicron, the subvariant would be the BA5, and what is the difference? Exactly. So um, if you look at it, uh, almost look at it like a family tree, okay? So you're absolutely right. Omicron is the variant. Then under it are these subvariants that have been emerging, okay? So if you look at Omicron as your family's last name, and then you look at your relatives under there, your siblings, your children, your grandchildren, uh, those become the subvariants. And uh, uh, one thing is these subvariants in general are more infectious. And that's why we're seeing this bump in cases, very um, infectious person to person. But less deadly, less uh, serious in that regard. Now, you know, we're seeing the increase in cases. So by definition, we're also seeing an increase in other types of markers, like the hospitalizations. Uh, now we also have more information. Hospitalizations are broken down into primary and secondary, primary being somebody who gets admitted because they have symptoms of COVID and they're, they're sick. Secondary are incidental findings of COVID. You go in for another reason. You need a joint replacement. You know, you have a heart problem. They do testing, and they find that you're also positive incidentally for COVID. So we are seeing an increase, but it's not an overwhelming increase like it was in the past. Certain states, there's a publication of, uh, of state levels. Uh, I believe Pennsylvania is number six on the list of numbers of cases. New Jersey is number 11. Now there's some underreporting, I think, that's happening with that too, because many people have mild symptoms, cold-like symptoms, and they're not getting tested. So um, probably we're just seeing the tips of numbers, but the hospitals, thankfully, are not being overrun at this time with cases. For people that have tried to do the right thing to this point. They've gotten vaccinated. They've gotten boosted. If they are in a certain category, they've been double boosted. Even with the subvariant, how, I guess, concerned should you be? Can you kind of take a deep breath and, well, I don't want to indicate like everything's perfect, but there's always kind of health threats out there. If you've done all the things you're supposed to do vaccine-wise, are you kind of to the point where COVID is just kind of one of the things that's out there and it's at that level of risk that, you know, well, you could catch the flu, you could catch a cold, and I'm not trying to equate them all, but as far as your risk level, is, are we there? So I think that we're pretty much there, uh, but I think it also harkens back to uh, folks also recalling the basics, okay? so. 
if you've uh, gotten your vaccines and your boosters, you also uh, still need to have some element of prudence. And that will vary depending upon the risk group that you're in. So if you're in a very high risk group for bad outcomes, you know, the vaccines will protect you by and large from bad outcomes. Uh, It will protect you from hospitalization, ICU uh, requirements, uh, and of course, death. Is it 100% protective? No. So I think we also should recall uh, the measures that are tried and true, infection prevention, public health measures, hand hygiene, using masks as appropriate to the situation, if necessary, avoiding indoor crowds when you see cases going up in your community, if you're in a particular high-risk group or have someone in your household who is at high risk and you have responsibilities to them. It seems to me overall, our society has kind of, we are still in a pandemic, but it's struggled on for so long. And to be fair, it seems like every day there is something new to worry about on multiple different fronts. But is it dangerous that our society seems to have basically punted? Like if you want to find COVID information now, you have to kind of work for it. Like it used to be plastered on the corner on CNN. It was on the homepage of everywhere. Now you've got to know kind of the the niche, for lack of a better term, websites to go to get kind of constant information. Uh, is that dangerous or is it really kind of impossible to stay at like threat level red forever and, you know, it just kind of wears you out? So right now, it's neither necessary nor is it desirable to stay at threat level red. OK, you can't sustain that. Uh, people start then getting overwhelmed with or bombarded with things. So, uh, but I think recognizing that, you know, these variants and subvariants are out there. And uh, we do have to have some element of vigilance about them some element of personal responsibility in how we're living our lives. Lockdown? No. Okay. Uh, Nothing like that. Uh, But, you know, we're right now in a situation where uh, there's a lot going on. Okay. You see it all the time. You know, certainly um, you're in this area with the news and media. So there are a lot of things going on, uh, political issues, war, economy, inflation. Um, and then you have some new and emerging threats too. Monkeypox, for example, right? So I think it's it's part of um, our lives that these issues come in and out. And right now we are far better off than we were early in that first stage of the pandemic. Uh, we are far better off than we were but we're not totally home free. We are not totally home free uh, because we're still having deaths and suffering. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Annette Raboli right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. Back continuing our conversation on KYW News Radio In-Depth with Dr. Annette Raboli. One of the things we were talking beforehand is, and I think you referenced it as kind of a wild card, 
is this idea of long COVID, where people can catch it, and at first, maybe it doesn't seem like much, maybe it knocks you out for a couple days, but it either goes away and comes back, but in much, it, it can debilitate you for, for months. And that is something we are still really trying to learn, kind of the the why and the who and why it affects some people, right? Yes. So this is an area of um, investigation, research, and it needs to be. There's long been an entity described going back decades, uh, post-viral syndromes, post-viral asthenia and other things after folks have a viral infection and they don't feel quite well. They're tired. They might feel a little mentally fuzzy, not quite up to par. Uh, so, uh, but this area with long COVID, um, you know, and the estimates um, range, uh, you know, up to 20, 30% of people may eventually have symptoms. And more recently, there was a, a publication that came out that talked about how broad the symptoms are. I think there were 60 some odd attributable symptoms. Uh you know, broken down probably into um, cognitive effects, respiratory effects, and then some other effects. And in the other effects are things like hair loss, erectile dysfunction, you know, some other issues that are serious for people. So, you know, this is an area of, uh, of investigation and we're learning more about this. The risk factors for it are still not totally defined. So, you know, why do some people go on and have long COVID and others do not? Uh, in fact, uh, there's even some controversy about some of the definitions. You know, NIH um, has used a definition for some of the studies that have been done. And then there's another Delphi consensus definition, you know, with the durations. Uh, so I think that this area is an area that bears further investigation. But, you know, again, there's no need for folks to panic about it. We don't know who will go on to this, who won't. But that's another reason, I think, uh, to take measures seriously. You know, it's one thing to say, OK, I'm going to have a cold. You know, I'll get over it in a few days. And that'll be the way it works for the vast majority of people. Uh, but those who are going on to long COVID are indeed suffering. And then there are other ramifications, ability to work. Uh, ability to be productive. Um, so uh, I think that this is an area that we're going to have to keep uh, up the research and keep monitoring uh, progress in this area. We talked about variants and subvariants. What is the level? Because I think one of the things that kind of what I talk to people that kind of hangs over their head is they might not like be worried right now. They've done their due diligence and stuff like that. But there's always kind of this, you know, well, unless the variant comes that the vaccines don't protect again. Like there's always kind of that the boogeyman in the room is that some very serious variant emerges that the vaccines are that neutralizes the vaccines and is more powerful. How I don't want to say legitimate because any concern is legitimate, but. Is that how realistic is that, that that we could see that that somewhere along the line, something twists and all of a sudden we're almost back close to to March of 2020? Or is that not really 
that realistic. So we're always going to be facing mutations of these viruses. The viruses mutate. Coronaviruses are especially known to mutate. And um, so far, uh, their mutations have led to increased infectivity, uh, evasion of uh, vaccine and natural immunity uh, to an extent. Uh, And there's always uh, a concern that they might mutate to something that's uh, more deadly, more virulent, et cetera. That's always a concern. But I think staying ahead of it with the development of new vaccines and new therapies uh, also help. The new therapies that have become available, some of them are viewed as game changers, the Paxlovid, uh, not a panacea, uh, but a a major advance in um, preventing people with um, serious uh, underlying risk factors from needing hospitalization. The vaccines, also not a panacea. Uh, but uh, certainly in advance. I think we're where we are with more of a normal existence, not totally normal, but more of a normal existence because of some of these of these measures. But we, we're going to continue to see mutations. The other area I think that we also have to think about and learn more about is some of the basic immunology. So we have antibody production. And uh, we've learned quite a bit uh, about antibody production and continue to learn more about it uh, with vaccine-induced antibodies, but also natural immunity and um, how long they seem to be lasting. Uh, But then there's also T-cell immunity as well. That's the other major branch, antibody, B-cell, T-cell, cell-mediated immunity. And uh, so I think that this is another area that comes into play and also helps protect us uh, against more serious uh, outcomes uh, from these variants and subvariants. I think that, you know, now with increased uh, surveillance by state health departments and the CDC, they're able to track these variants worldwide. Uh, So you do see them coming. You do see them coming. And uh, the nice thing about the platform for some of the the, uh, vaccines, the mRNA platform, is that this could be manipulated relatively quickly to make an adjustment. So I don't want to be cavalier about these, but I also don't feel that we need to panic or overly concern ourselves. I think that We have seen some erosion of trust over time, erosion of some public trust in public health officials, CDC, and that's very unfortunate. The ability to tolerate some ambiguity, especially when people just don't know. It's something totally new that we've never faced before what has been viewed sometimes for some as a once in a lifetime event, but I firmly believe we're going to see more epidemics and pandemics uh, over the years, mainly because we're global citizens and we have climate change and things like that converging on it. I also bemoan the fact that we, you know, some of the measures that make sense get politicized. And I think that that's also very unfortunate because it disserves uh, populations, it disserves the public uh, when people um, 
you know, make this so political? Uh, you know, why is wearing a mask political? Why is getting a vaccine political? Uh, so it should not be. These are medical decisions, public health decisions. So they should not be political decisions. And just to wrap it up, when it comes to taking precaution and taking care in this moment we're in, it, it kind of goes back to day one, right? Wash your hands mm-hmm. stay home if you're sick, like all the things that were burrowed into our head when this yes. all started. All the you, things you that our do- mothers, all the things that our mothers told us, wash your hands, uh, cover your cough, uh, stay home if you're sick. You're, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. Common sense measures. So between the advances, the medical advances and advances in therapies and um, vaccines, we also have to think back to the common sense measures. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.